Hello and welcome to the Date Night Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Russell, with me is my co-host, Ashley Russell. Hello. <laughs> it's me. <laughs> Normally, uh, this is a show where each week, Ashley and I, we would talk about a new movie that's playing in theaters. But since we're in the midst of a global pandemic, we're going to be talking about what we've been watching here at the house while we're locked down under quarantine. Yeah, you good. know, we're trying to fight the corona. <laughs> good, good times. I think I'm going a little nuts. Yeah. Theaters are closed. There's nothing new being released. Well, there was a couple of films that we did not see last year. It's a good opportunity to catch up on like some old classics yeah. that you've been meaning to. And there's no new product. It's it's nope. really just catching up on what's already been released. And so on this episode, we're going to be talking about uh, a pair of movie musicals. One of them, relatively new, was released last year. It's Cats, directed by Tom Hooper. Yep. And uh, the other one is 1961's West Side Story, which is currently being remade by Steven Spielberg. Due out so- sometime th- this year or, or next. <laughs> well, because it, it did, it's already been shot. Well, it's already been shot. It's already been shot. So, yeah, I it mean, was supposed you can to come edit out it on your own and do all that stuff on your own. But again, theaters need to be open. It was supposed. To, it's supposed to come out this Christmas. So I guess we'll we'll, we'll see. see we'll see how that goes. <laughs> I mean, that supposedly should be a major movie this Christmas. Yeah. So yeah, before we kind of dig into these, um, are you a fan of movie musicals? What are what are some of your favorites? Oh my god, I'm such a big fan of well, yeah, musicals. T- talk to me. I mean, Grease that is like my favorite. But I've been singing The Greatest Showman all weekend. Yeah, which that's also another favorite of mine. Also, Mamma Mia is a good favorite of mine. Hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. Did you like the the Mamma Mia sequel? Well, we're not getting into that. <laughs> Across the Universe was a fantastic one for mine that really nobody knows about. Sure. Yeah. That one was great. It's all about a lot the Beatles, of Beatles, Beatles music. Beatles music. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I wouldn't say... Phantom I'm the... of the Opera. Okay. Yeah. Like, whoo. The, the movie? The movie, the, the, the musical, the great, Broadway. There's great, yeah, like, great music. Woo! Great music in that. I, I wouldn't say I'm the biggest fan of... The musical genre, and uh, if I'm being honest, probably some of my favorite movie musicals are the Disney movies. I mean, like, you know, Little Mermaid, uh, great music in that. Well, duh. I mean, I guess I didn't put the, I didn't put musicals yeah, I don't, with the cartoons. I'm thinking live Disney. action. Yeah, but I mean, if, if I'm being honest, those Disney ones are some of my favorites. But I mean, I love, Beauty and the Beast was a good one for me. Absolutely. Like, the music uh, in those, it really is timeless. I mean, it'll get you choked up how strong the emotions are. But as far as live action stuff, I really love The Wizard of Oz. Uh, I think that's a that's a great musical. See, I wasn't a big fan of The Wizard of Oz. Wizard of Oz still holds up. I watched well, it. Mean, Man, it it holds up. That movie's amazing. The only, I mean, some more of the rainbow. I think for me is the only yeah. song that stuck. Powerful. It is a powerful song. Powerful. But it's the only song that stuck. Also, I don't Whereas know if you. The Greatest Showman, I can recite all <laughs> of that. Yes. Yeah, that movie's okay. Um. <laughs> Okay. Have you? I don't know if you've seen Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. I've not. That's that's a classic that I I grew up on. I haven't seen it in a while. I don't know how well that holds up, but that's uh, that's a musical that I I have fond memories of. And also, you know, you got stuff like Little Shop of Horrors. I don't know if you're a fan of that. <laughs> that's that's a fun musical. I've seen Little Shop of Horrors. I don't know if I'm a big fan. It's a little different. It's kind it of campy. Is, it's it, it's got quirky. some pup, puppet it, work. It really is up your alley, though. You bet. 
Because it's I mean, quirky. big puppets, yeah, quirky puppets, and big... yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't. It's not my favorite genre, but there are definitely uh, some that I can, I can certainly appreciate. Okay, I like Moulin Mr. Rouge. I was in Greece musical in high school. In high school, I, I did play the Danny, the role of Danny Zuko, in a in a failed <laughs> high school production of Greece. And that's all we need to talk about with that. I can't sing, and somehow I was the lead. I can't sing or dance, so that'll that'll tell you how that went. I can attest to that. There's a video of it somewhere. Um, Mom <laughs> it needs to be burned. But yeah, no, that did happen. Um, so let's let's just yeah. dig dig into cats. Um, the IMDb plot summary reads. A tribe of cats called the Jellicles must decide yearly which one will ascend to the heavy side layer and come back to a new Jellicle life. This movie has a 20% on Rotten Tomatoes. And it uh, it landed with a thud this past Christmas. Oh, that, yes, That's for sure. This was, this was not a cheap movie. It was over $100 million. I mean, every shot is a visual effect, essentially. So this was this was expensive. And it bombed. It, people stayed far away. I think because the trailers were horrifying. It was horrifying. I mean, it was... I, I, <laughs> you gotta have a good trailer. I mean, I guess what worked in, in like the original Cats movie was it was... You're familiar with Cats, the production? The musical? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. The I, costuming was more, you know, fake hair. I mean, it wasn't digitally like... Yeah, it was pra- they weren't in practical green suits or whatever. It was practical outfits. Yeah, this movie is like Spielberg's Adventures of Tintin. Like it's a virtual production with mo-capped actors. Yeah, d- but like Tintin actually animated. was good for me. <laughs> sure. Well, that yeah, it wasn't a nightmare to look at. <laughs> I mean, but Cats was. Oh my god, <laughs> it was the worst movie I've ever seen in my life. It's, now I it's understand it's why something. James Corden, why Taylor Swift, they're all, they, they didn't there, even want to promote the movie because it was so bad. There's some named talent in here. Yeah. I mean, you name those two. You also have Idris uh, Elba. Idris Elba. <laughs> oh At one God. point, he's like butt naked, just covered in fur, like yeah. dancing around with Taylor Swift. Like it is the stuff of nightmares. <laughs> I mean, Judy Dench, Ian McKellen, like, yeah, you have Oscar winners. You have some strong talent just debasing themselves in this movie. I mean, dressed up like cats. It's like this hybrid between human form. Yeah. And but like they're, they're walking around on all fours. Yeah. Sort of deal. It's as soon as it as soon as the first one appears, it's scary. It, it looks just it's unnerving. So strange. The faces don't always fit it, with it the bodies. Doesn't. And I, I believe like Tom Hooper's thing, like he likes to record people singing live on set, but the whole movie felt really overly dubbed and poorly dubbed. poorly synced. Yeah. So the it's, only two people that actually sang well, in my opinion, was obviously Taylor Swift and and. Jennifer, uh, Hudson. Jennifer Hudson. Jennifer Hudson's good. I mean, Taylor Swift has a weird scene with she does. Idris she, Elba. That whole the, scene. She's the bad, the bad cat with the catnip. Right. She, this whole she's movie the is drug dealer. This whole movie's movie is like horned up. Like right? everyone's just real horny. And, and like <laughs> it's uncomfortable. It's a PG movie. I think I read somewhere where the cast actually had to go to like acting class to to learn, to learn how, how to, to act as cats. 
Sports. Like mo- movement sc- uh, yeah, like, lessons. Yeah, I'm sure they did. Absolutely. Ah. Uh, well, you got to get it right. They really committed to uh, like a very extreme and a very expensive aesthetic for this movie with like the digital animation, the virtual sets. It is it is a lot for your eyes to take in. Well, I, I feel <laughs> like, like they think that Cats is more popular than they than it really is. I mean, I'm sure it's great Broadway. It's it's but it's endured for a while. I mean, I it remember has endured for a while. I, just, I mean. All I remember about Cats, the Broadway show, is just seeing commercials for it as a kid. It, it always looked very weird in these commercials. It would show like little clips of the actors performing on Broadway, yeah, in like the leotards and the cat costumes yeah. and the makeup, and it it just looked kind of dumb. Well, <laughs> but it's it, it's struck a chord clearly. I mean, clearly to cat people, but Patrick, you and I, <laughs> you and I are dog people. Yeah, no, I'm allergic to cats. I, like, I don't want cats anywhere near me in real life. But uh, you know, I don't mind that the movie. You know, it's about something that I don't really care about, as long as you got a good story. But this movie really is just about cats. It's just a, it really an ode to cats. Yeah. So, what was the? There were some issues in production, and so talk to me about that. <laughs> well, I mean, I wasn't on set or anything. Well, I but know that, but we've we've all read. I just I know that stories. They were working on this up until the very last minute, and Tom Hooper basically admitted as much uh, at the premiere, and he's like, "I literally just finished this this afternoon, so hope you enjoy." And apparently, you know the the digital prints that got sent initially to theaters, uh, there were. Uh, unfinished uh, visual effects. Yeah. Which, I mean, the whole movie, it's wall-to-wall visual effects, but apparently there were just, there were uh, scenes where, like, someone's arm wasn't, like, fully animated or their leg wasn't fully animated, and so just missing visual effects pieces uh, in certain spots. And that just speaks to how under the gun everyone was for this deadline. They had to meet this Christmas release date and tank. I mean, and tank. (laughs) They had had to hurry up and bomb. This but. was worse than the Disney John Carter movie, wasn't it? <laughs> well, in terms of like losing money? Yeah. I don't think it was as expensive as John Carter. But I mean, John Carter sold more tickets. I, um, I did like John Carter movie, though. I mean, John Carter is uh, like Citizen Kane compared to this. Yeah. <laughs> this is, I mean, this is uh, like one of the all-time great bad movies, uh, This uh, I would say. Like, if you're in the mood How? for a bad movie, yeah. cats, cats will satisfy. How did this get made? <laughs> But well, it's I mean, it got made because of the Broadway show, right? The theater show that that is that's a brand name that resonates with an audience. Yeah, but somebody I think Tom, who he had to have come in and, and, and pitched it. Tom Hooper. Like, uh, let, let's be real. Like he pitched it. Tom Hooper's coming off of King's Speech. He's coming off of Les Mis. I think it's like late his Les Mis success that kind of greased the wheels for him here. Um, th- that's what they were hoping for, like a repeat of Les Mis. But and Le- he, he Le- brought that like yeah. weird wide angle close up oh, yeah. look to this, is, except did. it's all digital and animated, yeah. so it is frightening. And yeah. that's that's the Tom Hooper touch. Tom Hooper is an Academy Award winner. He won Best Director over, for King's Speech, right? For King's Speech over yeah. David Fincher for Social Network. That that's Tom that's Hooper robbery. I mean, that uh, we see how he's doing now. I mean, Tom Hooper is still making movies in theaters. David Fincher, he's working for Netflix. <laughs> so, although I guess David Fincher, I mean, with theaters closed, I mean, I guess David Fincher knows what's up. 
I mean, right? <laughs> like, I'm just, I'm going to make movies that can actually be but seen. But I'll tell you what, Netflix will probably have a lot more pull. All the streamers are going to. But here's the problem. You still need product. Yeah. And nobody's shooting anything. So They can't. Not allowed. Well, yeah, it's a, it's a health risk. <laughs> the only memorable scene <laughs> here is... Is memories is Jennifer Hudson's memories, and obviously she was good. Yeah, that's one. Some of the music is kind of catchy. I mean, they're singing about. I mean, how many times did they say the word jellical in this? I mean, they're singing about jellicles and like going to the heavy side layer, and I just like every song is just complete nonsense. Well, I guess this is the first time that Judy Dench's character, Old Deuteronomy, was a man or was a female. Okay. Fun. So, I mean, there's that. Brave. She I, Towards the end, I mean, there are some reaction shots of her, like, during some of the elaborate dance numbers, where she's, like, in, like, digital cat fur. Yeah. Where she, it is frightening. Like, it is, it haunts my dreams. <laughs> some of the images that this movie conjures up is, fr- I mean, there's a dance number with Rebel Wilson and Oh, my God, cock- that was she Awful. she plays she plays Jenny Any Dots and she and, every character has a stupid name. Well, and and Rebel Wilson is bringing her like her humor. Sure, her in, fall fall in, down into fall down charm. And and in Cats, I I don't think her humor works. There's a dance number with like cockroaches with yeah. like animated faces, <laughs> like human that, faces. I, on I it. mean, is that the, the the? I mean, who the who the hell? The knows? play. <laughs> You, you, you're familiar with it. I'm not. Do you remember Dance Summer with Cockroach shit? I don't. This movie really serves up some some nightmare fuel. Yeah. This <laughs> is some pure concentrated nightmare I, fuel. I definitely wouldn't recommend this as a date night. And this is probably one of the worst movies that we've ever seen on, on and reviewed on we, this podcast. I mean, and we've reviewed a couple of doozies. We've reviewed some doozies. We, I mean, we talked about seeing this. In theaters over Christmas, we they, came close, and we just—it's like, eh, there's got to be something yeah. better to do. There, yeah, if we had seen this in theaters, this would have been—I mean, this is why theaters are dead. Yeah, <laughs> it's, 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 it's empty out of theater faster than coronavirus. I think I probably would have walked out. I'm not. Well, it's rough because yeah. it's because at first it's kind of like, holy shit, what am I watching? It's very surreal. It's almost like you got to see it to believe it. But then because there's no plot. And it's just like actors introducing themselves, like, "Hey, I'm Mr. Well, Peepers." Well, um, yeah, and they're trying to. I'm the curious cat, and they sing a song about being curious. Well, no, what they're doing is they're singing why they're they should be picked to go and ascend to the heavy side layer. And what is a jellical? Is just the cat it's gang, cat. Yeah. cat cat tribe. Yeah, it's a cat. It's tribe. just like, like a cool I cat say gang. If you're a jellical cat, are you like a cool cat? Yeah. That's, you want to be like a Jellicle cat. Yeah. You you're you have a family. It's like the Jellicle family. It's cute. All the strays. Are there any like upsides to this movie or is it all just... I mean, I think if you're like high on drugs or like hallucinogens... Yeah, I think if you if you rolled a little... If you're and, tripping, yeah. Yeah if you're, yeah. if you're out of your mind and you just want like something surreal to freak you out... Well, so. I mean, you, you don't want to watch this sober. This is not a movie to watch sober, basically. And take it seriously. No. You're, yeah. Yeah, I can't imagine seeing this in a theater where you can't escape. Yeah. Like the only way. Oh, to... you can escape, but you're out. Well, you walk hours. out. Yeah, you just walk out into sunshine. <laughs> 
So yeah, this is not a good date movie. No. What, what grade would you give? This? Oh my god, an F! Like this is the first movie that I've reviewed that it would just go straight all the way. Oh down. yeah. <laughs> what would you give it? Well, I think a movie like this defies traditional ratings. Oh, because it's okay. really just about the mindset. And like I was saying, if you're like stone sober, this is an F. And yeah, you don't want to watch this. <laughs> but if you're rolling on LSD, if you're out of your mind yeah. on hallucinogens, and you want like a movie, something fun, yeah, like a just like a trippy experience. I mean, watch across the universe. Don't watch this. <laughs> if you uh, want that, I just I mean I admire that they went for this extreme aesthetic approach and they committed to it for the entire movie like the movie just never stops being like a waking nightmare straight into your eyeballs (laughs) there's no relief there's no relief (laughs) and that's cats that's cats yes so why don't we take a quick break when we come back we'll we'll talk about west side story hopefully that's a little better all right we're back and we're going to talk about 1961's west side story The IMDb plot summary reads, Two youngsters from rival New York City gangs fall in love, but tensions between their respective friends build towards tragedy. This movie has a 92% on Rotten Tomatoes, and it is a multiple Oscar winner. Yeah. Best picture, best supporting actor, a lot of the technical, best music, obviously. Best writing and directing. Yeah. So this was, yeah, this was a big deal back in the 60s. And I figured, you know, with it currently being remade by Steven Spielberg, you know, this is a movie that I've always wanted to catch up on. You and I, we've never seen it. Nope. So this is a first viewing for both of us. So what what did you think of West Side Story? Okay. First off. Yeah. (laughs) West Side Story is racist. Well, you have a war between Italians and Hispanics. Those are the two gangs. not necessarily Italians, but it's a white gang. White gang. Versus Puerto Ricans. And they dressed up white dudes as Puerto Ricans. They did some some skin darkening. I mean, some... wow. <laughs> I think the, Rita Morena was the only one, and that was the um, the girlfriend of the brother. Right. She's the only one that's actually Hispanic. So, yeah, for the most part, they did not actually hire real Hispanic actors to play these parts. Uh, Natalie Wood, she's playing Hispanic. She is playing Hispanic. Mm -hmm. Natalie Wood. Natalie Wood, yes. So that's, yeah, that gives you an idea. If you haven't seen it, that gives you an idea of where this movie's but let's put this uh, cultural the, depictions yeah, are at. I mean, but let's put this into context. <laughs> so this was 1960s. So this, I mean, we, we I mean, 1960s was racist America. Sure. You can still hire Hispanics to play Hispanics. Not in 1960. No? No. If you say so. They they threw out like epitaphs and like all these like racist stuff. And I I am just like, oh my. It's a little uncomfortable. It is. Just sit through it. It is a little uncomfortable. But it is. I mean, the story is good. It's, you know, Romeo and Juliet kind of story where one of the leaders of one gang ends up falling in love with the sister of the leader of the other gang. Very very much like Romeo and Juliet. Instead of like the Capulets and the Montagues, you got the Jets and the Sharks. 
Uh, but let's let's talk about these gangs. Um, I mean, these are some, I guess, quote unquote, tough New York. They're, they're supposed to be toughens, and oh my god, tough tough New York City street gangs. And these dudes, I mean, these are some some skinny doing pot of berets in, they in the are street, bebopping and scatting <laughs> down Fifth Avenue like they got straight out of like theater class. They're, they're doing some leaping. <laughs> And some twirling. <laughs> I mean, these dudes are not like ready to fight anyone. <laughs> no, and they tried to act all big and bad, but it was just kind of laughable. I mean, they're like ballet dancers. That's the like physique. Thin. That's the physique that these guys have. Yeah. They, they are dancers, lean. like trained, yeah, yeah, lean trained dancers. And no the, muscle. And they're playing tough street punks. <laughs> and it's it's like at first, it, it's kind of funny. Yeah, it's kind of funny in like a retro, ironic sort of way, and then it's just like, like how how seriously are we supposed to take this? Because <laughs> the whole movie is really built around like the, the tensions between these gangs, yeah. and if we don't take them seriously as physical threats to anything, like what? Wh- I mean, what are we watching? It was very hard to get around, and then like the yeah. first like two songs, I felt. The the songs were not sung well. Um, so you didn't, you didn't like the the vocal performances. Yeah, no. What about? I mean, Natalie Wood was uh, good, but okay. uh, there, there's a couple, definitely a couple of songs where even if you've never seen it before, a couple of songs that you'll probably instantly recognize because yeah. they've, they've been around. And this movie, it's been pretty influential, I think, throughout the decades. I mean, one of the most direct influences are those Gap ads. Yeah. <laughs> those crazy cool khakis. So, I mean, this movie, it's it's definitely left its mark on pop culture, just in terms of its aesthetics and its style. Yeah. So it's it has that going for it. Well, I'm sure this movie was, I mean, it was in the 60s, so it was before Grease yeah. came out. So, I mean, this was kind of ahead of its time. Well, I can imagine, yeah, if you're in the 60s, and I mean, you know, when you watch an older movie, you know, like a movie that's made way before you were even born, you have to give it some leeway as far as, you know, you're watching it through the window of time in which it was made. Well, even the message was before its time, too, because, you know, it was really... Yes, that that Romeo and Juliet. I mean, one side fell in love with the other side, but the cultural mixing, and we're not all different. We're the same. We just came from different places. Yeah, it's a positive message of unity. I mean, it would have been delivered a little better if they had cast the actual people who they're supposed to be playing. So they they casted, for the uh, Hispanic gang, they casted a lot of Greek. Sure. Folks, not even Italians, but a lot of Greek actors. And it was really kind of... It's unfortunate. It's disconcerting because you can definitely tell in the makeup that... It's unfortunate. Yeah. In that sense alone, like, it's hard to buy. Yeah. I don't buy you as who you're saying you are. (laughs) So it's, yeah, it's just, it's another, like, just layer of unreality that makes it, like, hard to buy into anything. Yeah, that's that was a problem that I had. It was uh, I had trouble uh, after the first dance number, yeah, at the like basketball court or wherever. Yeah, I thought that was pretty good. That was good. The movie kind of it's got these overhead shots, and I mean, it looks like it's shot on location, and there's a a lot of exuberance and style, and I I was digging it, and then it just kind of quickly deflates, and we move over to like shitty looking backlots and people doing these kind of boring solos. Yeah. I thought the solos uh, yeah. were really boring. Every time we're doing a solo, like 
also we don't know who these characters are really yet. Yeah. I mean, do we? Like, I mean, we're just getting to know them and that is true. Like, I mean, give us a scene or two where we kind of have it, some dialogue. Are established yeah. with the characters and it's the same with Natalie Wood, she's introduced singing. And it's like, uh, all right, I guess I'll get to know you after the song is over. I just, yeah, the songs would connect better if if I had some sort of connection to the yeah. character. Yeah. And, and that just never happened for me in this movie whatsoever. I never connected with the characters. I will agree with you. I mean, there's a reason why none of these actors really have gone on to <laughs> I was going to say, other than Natalie, movie stars. other than Natalie Wood, I mean, who, who does have a good presence, she sings very well. I mean, unfortunately, she did get murdered by her husband. <laughs> Alleged, allegedly, we don't know. I we mean... weren't there. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> um, yeah, this movie um, it, it was a, a letdown for me. It, it's it's a movie I had been kind of putting off for a while. You know, now seemed like as good a time as any yeah. to catch up on it. And it's two and a half hours long. I mean, you get it was long. You get an overture. You get an intermission. <laughs> Yeah. It's it is a big whammy of a movie without a whole lot of plot. You kind of know where it's going, and it's taking a whole whole lot of time to get there. But I, I'm curious as what uh, Spielberg is going to do with it, and, and kind of bring it more into our world. I mean, I, I think at the very least he'll get the casting right and the singing right. I mean, they're <laughs> going to get casts that can sing. Can Ansel Elgort sing? Yeah, I, I guess he can. Yeah, sure. Um, it, it'll, um, it'll be, but he's actually going to cast like, like Hispanics. That's yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. He'll, he'll get the right casting. I agree. Some of the dancing is a little ridiculous and I mean, definitely far fetched. Yeah. But I mean, that's, I guess the highlight of the movie are those big ensemble dance numbers. And I can understand in the 1960s, this was a big spectacle. Well, yeah. This is a I big guess, spectacle film. I guess they can't do a lot of hip shaking. Because it is 1960s, and because too suggestive, it was too the, ha- suggestive. the Hayes Code. Yeah. yeah, you have the Hayes Code. Yeah, that's another thing. I mean, there's no heat or or sensuality in, in this movie. Do you know what I mean? It feels pretty sexless. Yeah, I guess. But that's I mean, that's part of the time. Yeah, but you can, but you can still lo- suggest. But it's a love story, right? And that that that's another element that felt like it was lacking. And Passion. I, yeah, I feel. It's cornball. It's it's real cornball. And the like sixty years ago, sure, whatever. There's nothing else around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe nineteen sixty one was a weak year. And if West Side Story, you know, if that was like that year's Titanic or Gone with the Wind, like the big box it office movie, because everybody, a lot of people, yeah. I mean, even now when I post it on Facebook, I mean, people are like, it's classic. It's a classic. It's, it's a, a classic. classic. Yeah, it's it's. Definitely endured. I mean, it's being remade, and that's my main beef with this movie. And it's not even really that valid of a of a beef, but it just it feels dated. This movie feels dated across the board. Yeah, the the way it's told, the way yeah. it's presented, the way the characters are presented, everything is very dated. And that's I mean, that's not necessarily the movie's fault. I mean, the movie is the movie. It was yeah. released sixty years ago, and sixty years from now, like what we do now is gonna seem dated. Well, many many movies will. Some movies won't. I mean, some movies age out pretty well. I mean, there's there's plenty of Hitchcock movies or Billy Wilder movies you could watch them, and they still hold up. They still play. This movie, I don't think it it offers much to like a twenty twenty audience. Yeah. If you're watching it cold, I mean, if you grew up with this, that's different. You grew up with it. You love it. If you've never seen it, like I can't really recommend 
the full two and a half hour blast. <laughs> I mean, I definitely would see it just so that you, I guess, understand. There are better musicals. No, I mean, I mean, better I'm, musicals with better dancing, better choreography. Yeah. So this, so how I get sucked into musicals, I've got to be like, the songs have got to be catchy. There really wasn't any songs that I thought were catchy in West Side Story. There's a couple songs that you recognize. Obviously, yeah. And that's it. I didn't relate to this movie. I didn't relate to West Side Story. It's because this movie can't bother to write like dialogue that like motivates characters. And so they just need to express things through like montage or music. Yeah. Dialogue can help sometimes. Mm. This movie, um, yeah, it just it was not great. And at the end, I think I walked I walked away after a certain point. I was doing laundry. He dies, but so does she gives a speech at the end, doesn't she? Like a speech about like tolerance and forgiveness. Yeah, but so does her boyfriend. So does the leader, both leaders of the white gang. Okay, so it's it's kind of like a coming together. Yeah. In the end, uh, despite this tragedy, this tragedy is kind of it's making them realize they're all one. Yeah. In the same. <laughs> and maybe I've watched too many like crime scene shows, but I mean, they're all grabbing at the knife and I'm like, that's you're contaminating the scene. Like, what are you doing? And yeah, it's I mean, it's dated. Is the movie supposed to take place in the 60s? Like, is it current for the time it was made? It's not like a period film. It's not a period film. I think so it's for the 60s. Yeah. Yeah. This isn't a movie to just watch straight on. Mm-mm. This is a background movie, yeah. I, I guess. Do you want to give a grade for this? I don't. Okay. <laughs> I understand. Yeah, people have a fondness for this. I mean, obviously. I mean, it's 90% Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. I, I mean, I respect this movie's legacy, but this isn't something I would ever want to watch again. And no, I'm, I'm good. I'm definitely looking forward to Spielberg's movie a little less. I can wait on that. T- take your time. Yeah. Steven. <laughs> All right. Netflix? Anyone? <laughs> take, you take your sweet time. Man, I wish Spielberg would make original shit. That'd be cool. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, When we come back, Ashley and I, we're going to have a fireside chat about what's been going on in the news. All right, we're back. And this is a new segment we'll be doing every now and then while theaters are closed. And most major cities across the world are in some form of quarantine. We're just going to discuss... Uh, updates on the coronavirus as well as talk a little bit about the white house's response and how you and i personally have been dealing with the massive change up in our day-to-day yeah like so many other people their their day-to-day has been radically altered indefinitely well and just to let you guys know um our county here in atlanta has been put on a you know stay at home do we have a curfew we don't have a curfew as of yet, but we have been put. We have a stay-at-home order. It's so weird how it's just been like state by state, kind of deciding on their own. In some situations, you kind of wish the president could just be like, but I, nationwide, stay at home, I, everyone nationwide. I, <laughs> so there's I, no confusion. No, I, I definitely understand it, and I definitely get it. But you know, people in North Dakota that live on the farm. You but know, it can still they, spread. If people uh, in North Dakota are having parties, the virus can still spread. It can spread where, wherever there's a social gathering. So it really should be nationwide. Even if you're in you know, Alabama, wherever, you, you think there aren't that many people or the risk is low. 
Because every state, every county, every city is going to get this in some form. I mean, not not everyone's going to get hammered like New York City. Yeah. Where it's like World War II at the hospital. <laughs> I mean, it really is. It is a... It's pretty grim. It, it's not looking great. No. And just the way the numbers have kind of expanded... You know, last time we talked, it was like two weeks ago. That was when we recorded last. And the number infected in the States was around 3,300. As of today, Sunday, March 29th, there are over 140,000 confirmed infections and close to 2,500 deaths. And so that's just here in the States. Globally, it's over 700,000 confirmed with 34,000 dead. So just want to reiterate, like, this is not the flu. <laughs> This well, is not yeah. the this is not the flu. People are saying, "Well, the flu." Da, 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 da. It's like everyone well, has said that. I, everyone has said that. And and I and I've be I, like, I've said that. Yeah, like, hey, did you know the flu kills fifty thousand people a year? This is this is gonna I the mean, the percentage of who gets it versus who dies is a lot more than what the flu was, and I think that's the the, the big huge difference. Well, the mortality rate, I mean, it fluctuates, you know, depending on territory. Uh, I mean, Italy, obviously, the mortality rate is pretty high. It's like almost like near 10%. But it fluctuates between like 1% to 2%. But that's a a significant number when you factor in that millions are going to be infected. And so, I mean, just here in the States, if we get up maybe 40% people infected... That's about 100 million people. And so that's going to be 1 million people dead. Yeah. Again, that's not the flu. (laughs) It's It's not the flu. It's not the flu. It's never been the flu. And as of today, I think Trump put in, I think he wanted to do something, open everything up by Easter. But I think he is finally listening to people. Listening to some scientists. And then, well, he's putting social distancing in place until the end of April now. So... Earlier this week, on Wednesday, I believe, Trump told reporters that he wanted America raring to go and packing churches by Easter <laughs> because the, the cure can't be worse than the disease. He kept like screaming in all caps on Twitter. The cure can't be worse than the disease. I agree with that, though. I mean, it, it means that once we survive this and people are going to survive this, this isn't like an automatic death sentence, but it's not a death sentence. once you come back and once you survive and once you got through it, and you lose your job in the meantime, and you're on unemployment, how are you going to get yourself back? Right. There are, yeah, the there are, are going to be some economic problems that just aren't going to have easy solutions. I mean, that's something we all need to come to terms with. But we should say, like, you know, even though the death rate is down to maybe like 1% to 2%, the, the rate of people requiring intensive care, like people being put in the hospital by this, is between like 5 to 10%. And we're not just talking about grandma and grandpa getting sent to the hospital. I mean, we're talking about people between 20 and 49, significant numbers on respirators, on ventilators in the hospital. I think yesterday an infant got and died of corona. Initially, that was, I think, supposed to provide some sort of comfort. Like, it's only going after old people. You know, if you're over 60 or if you have underlying health issues, that's not the case anymore, as we understand it. Mm -hmm. Healthy people... People our age, you know, uh, between 20 and 40, they're struggling for their lives in the hospital. I mean, they're getting seriously sick, requiring ventilators, and there's a shortage of ventilators. We know that. 
the reactions vary, obviously, but on the more extreme end, it it can be pretty fatal. And you just you hear about people really struggling for air and not able to breathe on their own. Again, the projections for like ultimate infection are, are vary between like forty percent to up to seventy percent. I mean, seventy percent is really like the worst case scenario, but that means that like it's it's everywhere. And it, it doesn't matter who you are or like yeah. where you're from, what your background is. You- no, but I was going to talk about the inequality as far as people, celebrities. Being able to get being tested. Being able to get tested and not having to wait. Sure. Like regular a real, Joe Schmo yeah. is. And that's really frustrating to me. I mean, that's just the inequality of life. There should have been more testing made readily available months ago but we've been we've been scrambling as a nation like from the top down we've just been in reaction mode because we didn't take this seriously for a month and a half for some reason and so we've just been reacting rather than actually like trying to get ahead of it we're just reacting as events happen well actually i think it was two and a half months that we didn't do anything about it because we really didn't get quarantined and, and, you know, asking people to work from home until mid-March. Well, it, I mean, we knew shit was serious. I should say at the very latest, we knew shit was serious uh, by mid-January. Yeah. I mean, China, they weren't very forthcoming with information. But by mid-January, it was pretty well understood <laughs> what the deal was and what the potential threat was. You don't need high intelligence to have known that. That was on news reports everywhere, what was going on in China. And by mid-January, we, I mean, the first case was here in the States. Yeah. It was already here in the States in mid-January. And so that no, was the time to act, mid-January. And, and, and it, was, it wasn't somebody that went to China. It was right. somebody that... So that's, that's how you know, oh, know. we got to act fast. Yeah. By mid-January, it's like, wow, we got to act fast. We are already behind the curve we got to start acting now just two weeks ago also a fine line too you don't want to freak people out you know because obviously once people gets freaked out they buy up all the toilet paper and stock and then you know you can't wipe your people were buying people were buying that out before trump declared a national emergency i I think yeah i think what freaks people out is uncertainty yeah not having facts not having information going in blind I think is what really freaks people out. But if if you're clear and concise with yeah. the information you're delivering and your information is accurate and you're conveying some sort of plan, that that's how you calm people down. People can deal with it. People can deal with the worst news. It, you just you got to be you got to level with them. I will tell you, I will give Trader Joe's a big <laughs> thumbs up today. Sure. We had a great grocery experience today. There was a lady outside, Santa, like spraying everyone's hands. I mean, obviously, you know, Patrick makes me go <laughs> in latex gloves. So I make you. Yes. No, we have a little box of gloves, and like when he you go out, me. when you go out, we might as well wear gloves. Like if you're going to be handing people things, and they're handing you things. Wear some gloves. I mean, you got to make smart. sure you don't touch anything when you have the gloves. You can't touch your face. Don't you can't touch your face. Your, you know, True. you can't. You know, scratch your butt. You I know, just figure. I just figure from what we know so far and the way that this can be transmitted. If you're going to be touching things that other people are touching, if you're handing things to other people, wear some gloves. I mean, it's not. It's no. not fail safe. No, I. I 
I agree. It feels ridiculous. It, it does feels like we're feel in a little ridiculous. It feels like we're in like a like a bad indie sci-fi movie. Yeah, <laughs> some shitty sci-fi movie with no budget. <laughs> because you, I mean, you can't close supermarkets. Uh, I mean, those are still kind of a vital lifeline. I mean, you and I were doing a lot They're more. Essential. We're doing a lot more grocery deliveries now, trying to limit those yeah. trips. Because literally, like, every time you take a trip to the grocery store, it feels like you're, like, Mad Max venturing out into the wasteland. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you're, you're risking your life. <laughs> I will tell you. That's people, how I look at it. People in Norcross, you guys need to stay your butts home because there's still a lot of people on the streets. Here, yeah, here in Georgia, it's it's yeah. been pretty slow to, like, reflect these social distancing guidelines i would say it's for a while it's felt like traffic is kind of as usual it's been it's been slow to catch on here yeah. i'll say it's been pretty relaxed here compared to what i've seen in other cities okay so i worked remote for four years and we had this all down pat like i had an office like it was fine now you have the office in our podcast room and i've got you're working from the bedroom. I'm working on the bed. So we we have to like build out the spare bedroom into an office. We do. That's our project this week. Yeah. <laughs> so that's yeah. I mean we're we're adapting because we're coming to terms with you know this is going to be the new normal for a while. I love you, but <laughs> I need any people. It's I mean all we really have is like I mean to escape the house. It's like trips to the grocery store trips- and our walks. Trips to the pharmacy or taking walks around yeah. the neighborhood. It's, yeah, it's something. I mean, you know, social distancing for me isn't a big, <laughs> it's not a big stretch. I mean, you're the kind of person I've been tra- that if, I've been if trained you're for in this. a movie theater and somebody's sitting right next to you that's a stranger, move. you're going to move. Yeah, we're not on a date. I don't know you. Don't <laughs> sit next to me. I mean, unless it's like sold out, that's a different story. If it's like... A third full. Don't sit next to me. And, and, and you're the person that always makes your <laughs> wife always sit on the inside. So just in case there's somebody that sits in, that, in the seat next to, to our two seats. I don't want to be distracted by someone else's reaction to things. Like, has it hit you yet? Like, not that routine that we had of going to the movies, going, to, going out to eat, you know, every now and then. Uh, has it hit you? Like that—that's something that you're missing. I miss the movies. Yeah, and I miss going out to eat. I thought for me, like losing that theatrical routine that I've been just doing multiple times a week for so many years. Yeah. Um, I thought it would like hit me harder, but in some ways, it's kind of a relief to take a break. Yeah. From that routine, and it's kind of nice that like there's not a weekly output of content. That you kind of need to sift through yeah. and watch or feel like the obligation to. Obligation, yeah. The obliga- yeah. I mean, well, no one's putting a gun to your head. It's nice to take a break from that. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily miss going out to the theater. But I do miss, I guess, the movies that I was looking forward to. Like A Quiet Place 2, yeah. like Mulan. Um, those are movies that I do still want to see. And with theaters closed until forever, <laughs> until who knows when... I do hope that those movies are made available. And I know that there are some purists out there. Like, no, like... You gotta see it in theaters. Gotta see it in theaters. Like, let me break it to you. Like, the types of movies that have been keeping the theatrical experience alive are these superhero sequels, these Disney remakes. 
like I'm okay watching those at home. Yeah. <laughs> like as someone who really considered themselves like a old school purist for a long time, like, you know, seeing movies in theaters, owning things on physical media, I've kind of just let go of a lot of that shit. And it's like, you know, I mean, people should be safe first. <laughs> like, there's no reason, like, risking your safety just to see, like, the like, Trolls World Tour or, oh, like, God. <laughs> or whatever the hell is going to yeah. be playing. You know, people should be safe. And, you know, while people are at home, if there's entertainment that people can make available that will make this quarantine period a little more tolerable, we should embrace that. I think studios can make money going straight to streaming. You still have to create windows. Yeah. It's just the windows are going to exist digitally. Yeah. You have like your premium window where it's a rental, but it's kind of high priced. Yeah. I don't think you should price it higher than 25 bucks. And then you have a period where you can buy it for 20 bucks and you can rent it for a little cheaper. You just, you window it and things are just going to be changing and theaters aren't theaters will come back in some form, but it's going to be different. Um, but yeah, streaming clearly is the future, especially in a future where, you know, even, you know, post coronavirus where there's a vaccine. Oh yeah. This is going to change the landscape. It's going to change people's habits. Uh, I feel people are going to get comfortable with watching brand new big budget movies and being able to pause them at home and pausing it it's it's yeah. gonna yeah you pause you can take a piss you can get a popsicle it's gonna change things you don't have to spend 80 dollars for popcorn and you know pizza at the theater <laughs> you can yeah you can just get some some pop tarts and some some pizza rolls right I right mean, right out of the cupboard there you go and so yeah i, I don't think people should be holding on too tight to that theatrical experience, especially when you can create a theater-like experience in your home. <laughs> I mean, home theater technology can pretty closely replicate what's how you experience movies in yeah. the theater. I mean, our setup is fairly modest. We don't even have like a 4K TV, but you know, you turn the lights off. You, you know, you pop the DVD in, whatever, and it looks pretty good. And you can have a theatrical experience. You mean Blu-ray? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. It's it, you can get it close enough, and it's it's all about the content. You know, I mean, no one's gonna have like a Dolby theater set up, like like Dolby Prime in their house. I mean, yeah. that's still the best of the best. And there are some movies you're always gonna want to watch on the big screen, but I think movies need to kind of re-earn that back because it's been sh it's been crap. a shit it's been a shit show it's been a weekly parade of shit yeah um yeah i think when theaters do come back it's going to be the movies that compel people back to the theaters yeah. it's not just going to be like hey we're open you know come see free guy starring ryan reynolds you're going to need some heavy hitting talent to line up some compelling movies to get people back in the habit again it's my prediction. Being produced right now, they're all going to be on hiatus, and so that's all a problem. Being pushed back, so, so that's a problem. But there's still some movies that are in the can. Year is going to be bad. Well, there's going to be a gap, but it, we're technically experiencing that gap already. I mean, there yeah. are movies that were finished, that were set for release, that were taken off the calendar. So there's going to be some sort of logjam. I, I think most of these movies, with no opening in sight for theaters, these movies are going to have to come. They're gonna vid video on out. demand. Yeah. They're going to figure it out. Because more people are going to be home. They can watch the movie during the day. 
everyone is everyone is home and everyone is hungry for entertainment especially fresh entertainment now's the time when people need it yep and that's it that's it you can find more episodes at anchor.fm slash movie date night as well as on spotify and apple podcasts we're on twitter at dn movie podcast and you can also email us at date night movie podcast at gmail.com until next time i'm patrick i'm ashley thanks for listening bye Thank <laughs> you.